Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I This is one of my favorite times of the year, actually, uh, because uh, we get to change what we are studying, and we get to jump into something new. We get to jump into something that, that might seem a little bit off a little bit, but, but is actually really good and healthy for us. Uh, you, you know, I wonder if you would, uh, if you were to think, what's the worst question that a husband could ever be asked? Here's what I think it is. Does this dress make me look fat? Right? Like, how do they answer? Uh, every answer is wrong, right? Uh, think, I've been on this crime TV show, Kick, recently, and, and here's what is true. Every single time someone is being questioned by the police in the, in the station. Do you know what they do? They lie. Uh, and, and so here's what the investigators do. They just continue to ask them the same question over and over. They, they say, well, now tell me again, what, uh, what color was the car? What they're doing is that these investigators keep asking them the same questions, waiting for these uh, alleged perpetrators to change their story. Because remember, in a lie, you have to remember what you said. However, the truth never changes. Lies change, but the truth doesn't. Or the question we want to answer this morning is, why does the truth matter, and how does it function in our lives? And our goal today is to see why all of that matters. So if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open up to the book of Proverbs. Okay, so remember the book of Proverbs is just kind of in the middle of the Bible, really close to the Psalms, really close to Isaiah. Okay, and I, uh, the Proverbs are maybe one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, I love them because I have a bad memory and it's easy for me to forget what I read from one day to the next. Okay, let's just be really honest here. And so the Proverbs are great. Here's why. There's 31 of them. And so all I have to do is look at my phone and look at the date, and I go, oh, that tells me what proverb I'm on for the day. And so one of the things that I read, no, I read other things as well, but what, one of my favorite things to read in the Bible are the Proverbs. I could just soak this stuff up all day long. Now remember, the Proverbs are a collection of wisdom sayings that help us live lives like Jesus. So if you've never read the book of Proverbs, oh, I encourage you to do so. Uh, it's, it's, it's really easy to just read one chapter a day. In fact, I would make it your summer goal that if you have no other summer goals, okay, read Proverbs two times before the end of the summer, okay? So you, that means you read it once in the month of July and then once all the way through in the month of August. And you just do it by one psalm a day. And that will actually help us make our time together on Sunday mornings more fruitful as you are like, oh, I just read this the other day. Oh man, what about this other verse that connects here? That will make our time together fruitful as well. And so we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 26 today. Proverbs chapter 26. In fact, we have a new verse of the series. I know you all have been dying to know what that was going to be. And I figured we would kick it old school a little bit, okay? We actually memorized this verse four years ago when we started a series in Proverbs four summers ago, okay? So we're going to do the same verse because I think it's really important and really helpful for us. It's Proverbs 26, verse 7. Let's all read that together, okay? It's on the screen. 
Here we go. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. So what we want to hear is that simply knowing or reciting a proverb is useless if it doesn't result in changed behavior. Right? Proverbs calls us to action. And so biblical proverbs call us to respond to God in faith and obedience. And so this is not a series for us to sound smart, okay? Like we can just quote some 18th century poet or quote the Proverbs word for word. This is for us to live smart. Live in light of the wisdom of of what God has given us. And so it's a call to live in loving response to God. And so we're going to open up God's word and live smart as a result. So let me pray for us as we dig into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray that with a topic like honesty uh, and, and truthfulness, that, that seems to be like a no-brainer that we should value. Lord, maybe would you do something fresh in our hearts this morning by your Spirit that, that would help us to see why the truth matters so much. God, would you do a good work in our hearts, we ask this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me give you an idea of where we're going. We're only going to be looking at a few verses. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 28. So if you don't have a Bible, that's totally okay. Inside your bulletin is our scripture reading from earlier. It has our sermon passage in it. And so everything that we're going to be looking at is going to be centered right on that passage, okay? So we're going to be in Proverbs 26, verses 23 through 28. And here's the big idea that I want us to walk away with this morning. Deceiving words reject the sun. So we need to embrace honesty and build up one another. Deceiving words actually is a rejection of the sun. Of the sun meaning of Jesus. And so we need to embrace honesty to build up one another. So we're going to break this up kind of just in in three different sections, kind of two verses at a time. Uh, Let me read uh, it for us all together, and then we'll we'll go back and, and, and look at each of those sections. It begins in verse 23, and here's what it says. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Well, the first thing we want to look at this morning is the call for us as a church to beware. Okay, in verses 23 and 24, we see that words are tricky, aren't they? Uh, Not only does language change over time, but words sometimes convey true meaning and can also hide true meaning. 
And so as Christians, we are called to not only tell the truth, but to live out the truth. But the reality is that people lie. I know, big shocking statement, right? You guys are like, no, duh, Brian. Wow, you're just getting that. We do. We lie. Why do people lie? Well, I think there's a variety of reasons. I think it involves uh, to avoid the consequences of sin. Uh, people often lie to protect themselves. And, and although I do think, so let me already give a caveat on this, I do think the Bible allows for lying in exceptional circumstances. Okay, think of Rahab the prostitute in Joshua 2. Uh, the Hebrew midwives lying to Pharaoh in Exodus 1 to save the, the lives of children. Think of King David's lie to the priest in 1 Samuel 21. Uh, but Proverbs does not allow lying or deception to have a role in our daily life and work. Okay, so, so immediately we like to look for exceptions to the rule. I just named some. But the rule is still, hey, the Proverbs does not think that lying or deception should have a role in our daily life and work. So the point of this is not just simply lying is wrong. No, it's actually that living the truth is essential. And so we're to avoid lying, not because there's a rule against it, but because of our awe of God, we love the truth. Sometimes people lie to the point that you can't believe any word that comes out of his mouth, right? He lies so much, he begins to think it's true himself. Isn't it interesting? We don't need to teach our kids to lie. We have to teach them to tell the truth. It's why King David killed Bathsheba's husband. It was essentially a lie. He did not stand up to the truth and he tried to cover it up. He uh, was trying to make it look like her husband got killed accidentally, uh, which was the ultimate lie. He shed innocent blood. But, but the Bible is clear that lying is not just simply an action. It is a matter of our hearts. It's not just something that happens with our lips. It is what is tied to what's going on here. In fact, honesty is tied to what's happening in our hearts. But in this fallen world and with our sinful hearts, we too often use words for ill intention. Just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true. Even if someone says something emotionally or with conviction, it doesn't necessarily make it true. That's why our justice system uh, works so that accusations aren't enough. People are innocent until proven guilty. Often people can't even say well-intentioned things, but whether their lives line up with their words is another matter, isn't it? So words we see from, from our passage this morning can cover intent. Often in a case of misdirection, someone can say one thing to get people's attention, hoping to avoid another area of their lives that they want to keep hidden. So verse 23 describes a glaze over a baked bread that covers the bad taste of, of the bread. You know, I, I make quesadillas fairly often, and I hate burning them, but I do. I burn the quesadillas, and then I think if I just put enough salsa on it, it will get rid of the taste of the burned quesadilla, okay? Sometimes there's not enough salsa in our house to get rid of the burned taste, okay? Uh, and in our passage, 
we see that our words can disguise what is an evil heart, much like salsa is trying to cover up my burned quesadilla. Insincere speech can hide a sinful heart. Right? The speech may sound sweet, but war can be at the heart. And the design of words can be to disguise. In verse 24, words can be a disguise for hate. It's easy to see why. Uh, even in a secular culture, hating someone is not a noble thing. It's not, uh, and in Christian culture, hating someone's not of godly character. And so we often want to hide what's actually going on inside of our hearts. And so we use words to cover it up. Think of Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Think of our scripture reading this morning where Jesus was about to be arrested in the garden and, and Judas goes up to him and he says, greetings, rabbi, which is, you know, supposed to be a term of endearment and respect, but were actually words of betrayal. The very next thing was that the guards came up, they laid their hands on Jesus and they arrested him. Uh, it makes sense on why Proverbs twenty-five eighteen is true. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. We see that words can also allow us to hold on to sin. The motivation for disguise and not for truthfulness, I think, has two different reasons here. One, because of hate, and then one, because of deceit. So the first motivation is to disguise hate. Right? Whoever hates, our passage says, disguises himself with his lips. So the motivation to disguise our words is because we actually have hate and not love towards others. And as Christians, right, this is embarrassing because we're supposed to love as Jesus loved. But the reality is that we aren't Jesus and we need to grow in more Christ-likeness. But growth doesn't happen unless we deal with the heart. Lasting change in our lives doesn't happen unless we get a handle on what's going on inside our hearts because there's no behavior modification that can be pretended enough to be lasting as the heart transformation by the Spirit of God with the Word of God doing heart surgery on our anger and on our hate. In fact, there's nothing more freeing then the Spirit of God at work in our hearts in significant ways where we can attest to sinful patterns in, in our lives that over time the Spirit has changed and transformed. In fact, the most wonderful truth that we can hear is that God is in the business of redeeming and transforming sinners. That's what we've been singing about. That is the reality of, of God's Word. If you remember Naomi in the book of Ruth, she was bitter towards God, and her heart was transformed. Think of King David, who had significant issues, okay? And God worked in his heart to repentance. Or maybe you might remember Joseph from the, from the book of Genesis, you know, where his brothers sold him into slavery, and they, didn't, and they pretended as if he died. Well, Joseph's brothers in Genesis repented from their hatred of their brother, 
once it was exposed, of course. So Christian, God's promise is that if he is for us, if we are covered by the blood of Jesus, then it doesn't ultimately matter who's against us because we can have confidence in him. God has already spared his one and only son and he will not let anything separate us from the love of God in Christ. There is no danger, there is no sword, there is no harm that can undo Christ's redeeming work on the cross and the empty tomb. Therefore, we do not need to be afraid of our sinful hearts or fear of dealing with what's going on inside our hearts for lasting change. So for example, uh, if we get a tick bite, okay, we know about it, but you know, those things are so small. How big of a deal can they really be, right? So you don't, because you, it kind of hurts when you pull them out of your skin, okay? And then you pop off the head and it gets stuck in there, right? So, so if we get a tick bite and we know about it, but we don't think it's a big deal, it can easily turn into Lyme disease, which then is a big deal. Friends, hate is like that in our hearts. It's disastrous if we don't deal with it. The other part of our motivation to disguise is to hold on to sin. Verse 24 also shows us that when we use words to disguise, it allows us to harbor or to hold on to lies in our hearts. In fact, in life, it's sometimes easier to hold on to our sin than to let the truth have its work and have its way in our lives. Sometimes we actually like holding on to our sin because we don't think we're ready to give it up. That's why people will say bitter for years and years is because they actually find some enjoyment in it, even though there's lots of displeasure through it. And so we, we see this idea of holding on to sin when we hear words like, well, that's just who I am, instead of, I can work on that. Applying truth in our lives can often be hard. It can feel like sandpaper on our skin because too often our lives aren't adhering to the truth as much as our lives like to adhere to what sounds good and feels good in the moment. So, believer, are you committed to truth that builds up? If we are committed to the truth, then we are to be committed at examining our hearts and looking for what might be harboring sin towards others and not being okay with that. If we are committed to the truth, and we should be as Christians, then we need to be committed to examining what's actually happening inside of our hearts and not just using words to disguise or hide what's going on. We need to be committed to the truth by willing to do radical heart change if we realize that there is a radical sin problem in our hearts. If there's a radical hatred of others in our hearts, then that is a call for us to do radical heart change. Because deceiving words reject the sun. And so we need to embrace honesty to build up one another. Let's look at verses 25 and 26, the call for the church to be wise. Here's what, here's what it says. When he speaks graciously, speaking of the person who is harboring hate and deceit in their hearts, 
when he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. So we are warned not only to avoid deceit, but we are, are to be aware of deceivers around us. We are not to allow ourselves to be taken in by lies, right? Because just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Christians are not called to believe anything that someone just says, right? Verse 25 says that smooth speech, even gracious speech, isn't always true. And so we need to recognize that we ourselves may be prone to believe lies that we hear. That's why things like gossip, which is usually a lie wrapped around a, a, a tissue of truth, is so terrible. You think of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28, that says this, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. It's also why conspiracy theories are actually forces against the truth. At the heart of them, they fight against what is true. So I believe the earth is round and not flat. And I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. And if you think that what I just said isn't controversial, then you have not met my Christian plumber who lives less than a mile away from me. Okay? I'm, I'm serious. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to hear a warning in this. We, we see, okay, this warning not to believe lies, but it's so easy to fall off the horse on that end and say, okay, I need to start distrusting everything that people say. No, we don't want to go there, okay? Our reaction to our passage is, is easily to think that everyone is trying to deceive us, and so we should not trust anything that someone says. I'll be honest, I understand the heart that pulls towards that especially if you've experienced something where, where words have hurt in the past. It's easy to then say, therefore, I'm going to close off everyone else. I'm not going to trust anyone. But I think that reaction is a mistake. For one, we're a body of Christians together who have been freed by the truth of Jesus going to the cross and paying the penalty for our sins and dying there, and then on the third day being raised from the dead, defeating sin and death. And so Christians, because we have been freed, the truth has set us free, Jesus says, so Christians are to be truthful, we are to care about the truth, and we're to live truthful lives. And so we should be able to trust one another. And if we find that we don't, those are relationships that we are called to mend. Largely, even the world doesn't condone lying. And so if we have a big God in whom we can trust, just like our call to worship says, if the truth has set us free in Jesus, then we do not need to assume everyone is out to get us by their lies. So church, be wise about what people say. And it's worth examining the speech uh, with the lives of others, but it is not a call to distrust everyone. Actually, when, when we as a body love the truth and live by the truth, it actually creates freedom of trust 
And those are relationships that have stronger bonds than, than anything else we could have. Maybe you're a non-Christian here this morning. I wonder what you think about trusting what people say. Uh, you probably have a hard time knowing what to believe in fake news. You probably have a hard time trusting that your mechanic is always going to give you the right diagnosis for what's going on with your car. Uh, there's probably a number of things that you actually distrust about our world. A common fear I see in people very frequently is, is people in their 20s who have just moved to a new city for, for work, and they have a hard time making friends and trusting people. My advice every single time is to find a local church because Christians are to be about the truth because God is in the truth business. And so if you're tired of a loved one using you, lying to you, I say consider becoming friends with Christians. They actually value the truth. So maybe you're not a Christian here today. Consider the freedom that you could experience in your life not by distrusting everyone, but by knowing that Christians who tell the truth, not even by them, but knowing the God who is truth. Boy, there's great freedom in knowing God who has created truth. Words can disguise hatred, even if they sound like gracious words. But notice the source in our passage. Deceit doesn't begin on our lips. It begins in our heart. L look at verse 23. It describes an evil heart. L look at verse 24. It describes the heart as the holding place for deceit. And now verse 25 connects evil to abominations in one's heart. Hatred doesn't begin in the lips. It begins in the heart. A hateful heart makes hateful tongue and lips, right? The heart is the engine room and the lips and the tongue are just the exhaust of what's going on inside there. Eventually, what is in the heart will be exposed in our lives. James, in his letter in the New Testament, says something about that very reality. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Think of a bicycle wheel with spokes that go to the very center of that wheel. Our heart is like that center point. And so when our heart has hate or anger or frustration or disappointment, when our hearts are sick with sin, it doesn't just affect one area of our lives, it actually seeps into every other area as well. So the reality is no matter how good we are at covering deception, the truth will eventually be found out. So when we have a heart problem, it will be seen in lots of different areas of our lives. So for example, if someone idolizes money, uh, it might be reflected in how they give to the church. It might be reflected in what they're willing to spend money on. It might reflect in their hospitality or generosity towards others. It might be reflected in the hours that someone works in a given week. And so when we have issues going on inside our hearts, it seeps into all sorts of other areas of our lives. And so an anger problem is not just all the other drivers on the road. It's often people who walk slowly in the grocery store too. 
uh, our anger then is then towards our spouse and towards our kids and then towards the government and towards the boss. But we don't usually say it's an us problem, do we? Verse 26 says, though the hatred be covered with deception, it will be exposed in the assembly. Other people will recognize the heart issue that's going on. And so if we don't deal with it ourselves, we will be forced to deal with it eventually as it is exposed to others of our sinful hearts. Friends, deceiving words ultimately reject the Son. So we need to embrace honesty to build up one another. Let's look at these last two verses, 27 and 28, uh, the call for, for us as a church to arise. So here's what verses 27 and 28 say. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Words can disguise, we see that. And we need to be aware of that reality, and we should recognize that deceit's natural consequences are destructive. Sin always has consequences in our lives. And, and usually sin takes us further than we want to go, and then it feels harder to get back than what we initially thought. So Solomon, the, the author of, of this proverb, warns that those who dig a pit for someone else's destruction will likely fall into it themselves. That those who start rolling a large stone to crush someone else will likely find themselves crushed. That's how sin works. When we hope to destroy someone else, it ends up destroying us instead. Our sin is like drinking poison, hoping someone else will get sick. This is the result if we embrace deception, if we embrace lies. If we choose not to deal with the sin in our hearts, it doesn't just go away, it gets worse. And so embracing lies and hatred in our hearts doesn't preserve us. It doesn't protect us like we hope it will. It actually destroys us from the inside out. So for example, I've been watching uh, Chicago Med on Netflix. So I don't really like doctor shows. I don't like blood and and they use words I don't understand most of the time, but it's a great thing to fall asleep to at night. And so I've been watching Chicago Med on Netflix, and time after time, people are afraid to get a surgery. Uh, and they don't want to, even if not getting the surgery is more dangerous. Well, this is not simply an individual call for us to be honest and truthful. Uh, I believe that both non-Christians and Christians alike agree that lying is bad, but as Christians, we aren't just saying lying is bad and we don't want to be part of lies. We must see the bigger picture of what's going on here. In fact, I'm convinced that our level of honesty as individuals and as a body uh, is either embracing Jesus or is embracing Satan, who is described as the author of lies, the father of lies. Consider Christian language that we use about people who aren't yet Christians as being lost, right? Consider the, the wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now am found. And how else do we describe that? Was blind, but now I see. What do we see? The truth. 
Consider the warnings that Paul writes for Christians and their connection, not to deception, but to truth. Paul writes in Romans chapter 16. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Brothers and sisters, truth and honesty is even tied to the gospel. Consider what Paul writes in Galatians 2. He says, Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So the way that we deal with truth and deception as individuals and as a church body is actually tied to what we do with the gospel. Think about what Paul writes in Ephesians 1. In him also, you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So to be people who deceive with our words or, or people who believe lies, Paul describes them as being bewitched in Galatians 3. He says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So our level of honesty as individuals and as a church body is connected to what we proclaim about the gospel itself. We are to be working towards peacemaking, not working towards ruin, as verse 28 describes in our passage. Christians are to be led in line with truth and honesty. Right? Jesus said this in John 15, but when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So we've been given the Spirit as Christians, which leads us in all truth. And so for us to deceive in our speech is the opposite of being led in the truth. So being associated with lying or being dishonest or disguising what is really in our hearts is directly at war with Jesus himself. In fact, our growth as Christians is tied to the truth, not to deceptions. Th think of what Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So our worship of God is even tied to uh, truth and not to be tied to deception. Remember the woman at the well and that conversation that Jesus had with her. He says this in John 4, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Christians are called to live by the spirit, 
to put off our old selves, which belongs to our former manner of life, which is corrupt. We're to put on our new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And the very first example of Paul writing that in Ephesians 4, the, the putting off and the putting on, the very first example, and he goes through a list of them. The first example that Paul gives for what it looks like to put away our old selves and to put on our new selves made after the likeness of Christ, guess what it is? It is to put away falsehood and to be truth tellers. It's the very first example that Paul gives to the church in Ephesus of what it means to live by the Spirit, what it means to be transformed by the truth of God, is that we are to speak the truth in love to build up the body. So we avoid lying, not because there's a rule against it, but because of what God has done in our hearts. We love the truth. It's going to be hard to say that we love the gospel. It's going to be hard to say that we are being transformed by God in Christ-likeness. It's going to be hard to say that we know God if we do not love the truth. So, believer, do you love the truth? Is telling the truth more important when it is convenient and or even when it costs you something that you really want. Believer, when was the last time you asked for forgiveness from someone for not being fully truthful? Do you love the truth as it builds up the body? Oftentimes we hear the phrase, well, I'm just being honest. But it's something that we often hear in destructive patterns that isn't fully the truth. Right? Often it's associated with a tongue lashing that negates the reality of Christ's work on the cross. We are to love the truth as it builds others up. And so rather than deceitful words that hide our true intentions and allows us to hold on to sin that we don't want to get rid of, oh, brother and sister, we have been made for something so much better than that. The Lord has done something in our lives so much better that we don't want to hold on to such things. If Jesus is really the way, the truth, and the life, then Christians are to be people who embrace the truth, even if it has the risk of it feeling uncomfortable, even if you're trying to be a faithful friend. Remember, truth is always matched with grace as it is displayed. Right, the law came through Moses, but with Jesus came tr tr uh, truth and grace. Not one or the other, but both together. So the truth matters. In a world where we have to ask, what is a woman? Or when we as a church convention have to ask, what is a pastor? I think we've abandoned the truth. We are not representing Jesus well if we find ourselves regularly hiding the truth. We need to remember Proverbs chapter 19 that says, what is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. Steadfast love is better than embracing lies. Being poor is better than being someone who deceives. 
Deception is destructive, and it leads ultimately to punishment and death. Christian, we have been called to proclaim and live out the truth. Consider uh, this worship song that I, I just felt was really helpful in our call to this. It's called this, O church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Brothers and sisters, we have something by having received the Spirit, by having been forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross and his defeat of sin and death in the grave, we do not have to protect ourselves. We do not have to worry about exposing what's happening inside of our hearts. But we can lovingly trust the Lord. We can speak the truth in love because the truth itself is tied to the gospel. It's tied to our hope in God. It's tied to us being in the light. It's tied to us that the truth has set us free. There is no freedom in deception. Deceiving words reject the Son of God. So we need to embrace honesty that builds up for our body. Truth is so much more than does this dress make me look fat? No, deceit denies the gospel, and it rejects the Son. But embracing honesty rejoices in the truth. Oh, what a good thing that is. What freedom that we have, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we can trust, that they'll be honest, even if it seems hard in the moment, who are looking out for our good, who are seeking to build one another up, and we can trust them. Because even wounds from a friend are faithful. But profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Profuse are Judas's words to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi. Oh, let us be not about deceiving. Let us be about embracing the truth and rejoicing in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you do not deceive, that you are a God who does not lie, that you are a God that does not change. You have no shadow due to your change. There's no variation in you. And so we can trust your word that doesn't lie. We can rest on your word that is wholly truthful. We can trust the work of Jesus on the cross where he said it is finished so that all of our sins are fully paid for. Fully, completely. We don't have to doubt the truthfulness of Jesus' statement. So God, we pray that we would be people who, as we grow in Christ-likeness, we don't embrace deceit because we're afraid of what's happening in our hearts. We don't have to put on a mask pretending to be something that we're not. We don't have to give smooth words when war is at our hearts. Lord, help us to be people who do the difficult work 
of, of turning from our sin and placing our trust in Jesus' completed work on the cross so that we can be transformed, so that we can embrace and rejoice in the truth. Oh Lord, help us to be that type of body of Jesus, where we rejoice in the truth, where we share the truth, where we adhere and embrace the truth. Help us to do that, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.